power. Not just any power, but resurrection power. That's next on Moody Presents with Mark Joe. I have seen drug addicts change, and I have seen depressed people come out. I've seen people that other people thought they will never have hope in their life. I've seen them come to the mouth of the grave and suddenly start living a life that they never knew they could live. The resurrection power of God. Welcome to Moody Presents with Pastor Mark Job. He's president of Moody Bible Institute and senior pastor of New Life Community Church in Chicago. John Gager here to remind you that we are continuing our CSI study. CSI standing for Christ Said I Am. We're all about investigating the true identity of Jesus Christ. And you know, here's the benefit. In discovering what Jesus had to say about himself, we get a better understanding of how to interact with him. Now, last week, we had to stop the message at a really crucial point where we were just starting to explore Jesus' resurrecting power. So if you can, have your Bible open to the Gospel of John, chapter 11. And let me just set the scene for us. Lazarus has just died. But then we come face to face with the amazing power of Jesus to resurrect this dearly loved friend from the dead. Now, what does this say about Jesus? What does it say about how we should relate to him? Let's find out. Here now is Pastor Mark Job with part two of Investigating the Claims of Christ. I am the resurrection and the life. So if Jesus would have been there when Lazarus started to get sick, he could have prayed for him and avoided that his sickness got worse. But it would never have made the impact that it made when Jesus waited to the fourth day. Why the fourth day? Well, there's something about the fourth day that makes it almost irrevocable to come back. By the fourth day, the body's already decomposed, so you're dead and really dead. By the fourth day, the funeral procession starts to leave. It's over. By the fourth day, Members of the funeral procession start making their way back home because it's already a foregone conclusion. This is over. That chapter's closed. The fourth day is already a sign that there is no hope, there's no resurrection. This is beyond recovery. The fourth day means that there is no turning back for most people. And I believe that that's why Jesus sometimes waits to the fourth day. Where some people say, well, there is no hope anymore. Well, this can't be turned around anymore because sometimes the power of God works best in the darkest of crisis. God is an expert at coming in the fourth day when everybody else thinks there is no hope. This cannot be turned around. He has been dead way too long. God is great at coming in the fourth day when people have lived so long a certain way that everybody around them is saying he'll never change. God is great about coming into a situation where everybody else has already given up, but God hasn't given up. God's an expert at popping in the fourth day and saying others may have given up. It may smell like death here. Others have already gone hope out of hopelessness, but where God is present in resurrection power, not even the fourth day can stop us from a new beginning in God. 
Number three, I'm talking about the timing of God. God allows us to wrestle with circumstances to bring breakthrough revelation to our lives. It says in verse 17, on his arrival, Jesus found Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. Have you ever said that to God? Martha felt like Jesus was late. You see, here's the thing. There are certain things that you will never learn unless you go through a severe crisis. Martha knew about Jesus. But for the very first time in her life, she finally understood he is the Christ, the resurrection, and the life. In essence, what Jesus told her is, Martha, if you believe in me, you'll never die, even though you die. In other words, if you believe in me, even though your body may pass away, your spirit will continue to live because I am the resurrection and the life. I look back over my own life and I realize that there's certain things I've learned the hard way. There's certain things that God has only been able to speak into my soul when it was really, really dark. There's certain lessons that I've learned in the fire. There's certain things you learn about life, about God, about what's really important when everything else is stripped away and the only place you have to look is up. And I believe that some of you may be in that place right now. There are some of you that may be in the fourth day right now. Maybe it's a physical thing you're battling. Maybe it's a marital thing that you've been there a long time. Maybe it's a financial crisis in your life. Maybe it's depression. Whatever it may be, I don't know. But in the midst of your dark hour, if you open up your spiritual ears to say, God, in the midst of this hard time, in the midst of this difficult time, Speak to me, God. Give me revelation that I could learn no other way. Speak to my heart in ways that I could never grasp any other way. I do not want to let this teachable moment go, go by without learning what you have to say to me. I believe God will speak to you. He speaks to those that are willing to listen. Number four, God moves in resurrection power when he is moved by the sincerity of our faith. I want you to hear me because this is really, really important as we wrap this up. I really want you to hear what I'm about to tell you because the most important part, I think, of this entire message lies in point number four. It tells us in verse 33, Mary came out to Jesus and met him. When Jesus saw Mary weeping, And the people that were with her, sad and weeping. It says, Jesus, verse 33, he saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping. He was deeply moved in his spirit and troubled. 
The Greek phrase there means he groaned in his spirit. He was so troubled, so touched, so burdened that there was a groaning in his spirit, a, a sadness that was there. Verse 34, and Jesus looks at Mary who's weeping, her bloodshot eyes, her tear-stained cheeks, the slumping of her shoulders, the the shoveledness of her appearance as she's experiencing this incredible mourning over this brother that she loved. Jesus looks at her broken in his spirit and he asks, where have you laid him? Come and see, Lord, they replied. Verse 35, Jesus wept. As Jesus is on his way to the tomb, Tears begin to flow down his face. He gently begins to weep. Now, I've thought of this for a while. Why would Jesus weep? I mean, think about it. In just a few moments, he's about to raise Lazarus from the dead. He knew that he would show up at that grave and that he would raise Lazarus from the dead and do one of his greatest miracles recorded in the Gospels. If I knew that, I would be like, follow me, don't worry. (laughs) Come on, just stick with me. I know there's a happy ending. I know in a few moments they're going to be rejoicing, celebrating, shouting. I know I'm going to turn this party around from gloom and doom to celebration and life. If I knew that, I don't think I would weep. Let me tell you why Jesus wept. Because although Jesus knows the past, and he knows the present, and he knows the future, he lives in the present, and he is deeply touched by the pain and suffering and heartache of those he loves. You do not worship a God that is sterile, generic, distant, unattached from our suffering. We worship a God who mourns when we mourn, rejoices when we rejoice, is touched by our humanity in all of its fullness. That's the kind of God that we worship. It says that Jesus wept. Verse 38, it says, he once more was deeply moved when he came to the tomb. I've done a lot of funerals, a lot. I've done funerals of mothers bearing a six-year-old son. I put my arm around mothers and fathers whose 19-year-old son brutally killed in gang violence. I've seen husbands weep at the graveside of their wives. I've seen young married, the whole life in front of them, the hollow look in their eyes of losing the husband that they thought their whole life was going to be together. When I was young, I tried to comfort, explain, make sense of it. 
When I was young, I tried to explain that God has a plan and a purpose, and I would try to theologically make sense of death and suffering. The older I've gotten, the less I do that. I don't try to explain. I don't try to make sense. I don't try to say, well, you know, they're in glory now. You'll be there in a few years. I don't say that. The older I get, the more I've learned just to mourn with those who mourn and weep with those who weep. Because sometimes in the middle of sadness, all you need to, you don't want someone to tell you, hey, you'll be with them soon. That doesn't help. In the middle of deep sadness, what you need to know is someone else feels my pain. They care. And, and, and a, a piece of advice, next time you're at a funeral, and someone's really suffering, the best thing you could do is give them a hug and say, I am so sorry. The best thing you could do is mourn with those who mourn and weep with those who weep, just like Jesus did. Jesus knew that he would be resurrected, but he didn't say, hey, hold on, don't worry, you'll be re there's a resurrection. No, he wept with her, he mourned with her. You weep with those who weep, you mourn with those who mourn, you rejoice with those who rejoice. There's something about our human soul that wants others to, to join with us. There's something about our human soul that knows that, that when someone else mourns with us, that they are caring for us, that our pain becomes their pain as well. And it's the heart of Jesus. And listen, if we are the people of God, which we are, then we should do the works of God. That means that we never let our heart go cold and callous to the needs that are around us. That means that we feel the pain of those who suffer. That means that we allow our heart to feel when others are going through a hard time, that we don't, that we don't guard our heart and make it cold and callous. I pray that that never happens to us. I pray that we keep a tender heart for the things of God and for the suffering of other people. Jesus, the Son of Man, he wept at the suffering of people that he loved. You're listening to Pastor Mark Job, president of the Moody Bible Institute on our program, Moody Presents. And you know, Moody Presents has been a hallmark program of the Moody Bible Institute for decades now, featuring the teaching of our president. And if you visit moodypresents.org, you can learn much more about the Moody Bible Institute, including our undergraduate program, our flight school for missions aviation was just out there a few months ago. Our graduate school, our online programs, Moody Publishers, Radio Moody Programming in Spanish, and then there's our Today in the Word devotional. And each month, we highlight a resources area meant to equip you to take your next step with Jesus. Again, head to moodypresents.org. While there, request a copy of a very special book, The Overcoming Life by D.L. Moody. Moody writes, When things go against us, let's cheer up. The night will soon pass away, and the morning will dawn upon us. Death never comes there. Sickness and pain and sorrow don't come there to mar that glorious home where we shall be with the Master, and it may be a great deal nearer than many of us think. For a gift of any amount, we'll send you a copy of The Overcoming Life. Just go to moodypresents.org and click on the blue button, or call us at 800 400 all right, back to Mark Job's message, I am the resurrection and the life. Here's Pastor Mark. 
My father was a sort of a man-man type of guy. He, he loved fast cars and motorcycles and had these big callous hard, uh, cracked hands with always with grease oil, car oil in them somehow. He had a handshake that would kind of crush your hand a little bit. And when he slapped you on the back, it made your, if you had false teeth, they'd come out. <laughs> he came to Christ when he was 18. He was kind of a brawler. And, and, but, but when he came to Christ, he gave his life totally over to Christ, completely. Men responded great to dad because he just, neighbors would come and bring their tractors over in the town where we lived and they would, they would call him Don Roberto. Say, hey, Don Roberto, can you, can you look at my tractor? And he'd fix their tractor and talk to them about God. But there was a part of him that never lost a tenderness, softness towards people's needs. And I remember one day, early on in my ministry, we were sitting in the living room and my wife and I had decided that we were going to open up our house to people that were in need. And so we brought in uh, a girl that had been kicked out of her house. We had an elderly gentleman that had been in the hospital and couldn't take care of herself, stay with us. And we currently had a, a, a man that was recovering him from heroin addiction. And he lost all his teeth, slept under bridges. And we brought him into our house, gave him a room, and we were just helping him get on his feet. And and I remember sitting in the living room and we were talking and my father was there and two other people and this guy that was coming off of heroin was talking about the neighborhood and a girl in the neighborhood that, uh, that would get drunk often and, and had a, an addiction. He was just talking. She had, I think she had visited the church and, and, and he was talking that she had a lot of problems and he would see her uh, uh, stumbling down the street often, giving herself to guys for the next high that she was getting and sometimes walking with her shirt half off and he was just kind of musing about her. And my father was there and we were talking about this and suddenly I saw my father's hands go down in his face and I looked over and he was weeping. We didn't know what to do and Weren't sure why he was weeping, but he was weeping. Deep sobs and tears going down his face. When he finally recovered and was able to talk, he said, listen, I have a daughter. If it weren't for the grace of God, me or my daughter could be in that situation. It's the grace of God. And I remember it so deeply impressed me. I thought, God, I never want to lose a heart that is not compassionate for people and people in need. And I'm convinced that one of the greatest ways that we could love is by making sure that our heart is sensitive and soft to those that are going through the midst of turmoil or difficulty or tragedy in their life. Never lose a heart of compassion like the heart of Jesus. Jesus goes to the tomb. His heart has been broken. He has wept. His voice is crackling. He goes to the tomb, and as he arrives at the tomb, he says to the people that are there, part of the funeral, he says, roll away the stone. Martha says, by this time there's a bad odor, odor Jesus. He's been dead for four days. Jesus looks at her and says, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Did I not tell you that if you believe, listen, you will see the glory of God? Did I not tell you that if you believe, if you have faith, 
you will see the glory of God. So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up. He looks to the heavens. He's been crying. He looks to the heavens and he doesn't ask God to do a miracle. He thanks God for the miracle that he's already about to do. I thank you. I knew you always hear me, but I say this for the benefit of the people that are standing here. As the stone is rolled away and the tomb is already open, the crowd is standing looking at Jesus, thinking that he's going into the tomb to say his farewell, bring closure to this since he wasn't there to, over his death, feeling pity for Jesus. But what, what they did not understand was that resurrection power was there. Resurrection power is the power to bring about a new beginning. Resurrection power is the power to start anything new. Resurrection power can raise the dead. Resurrection power can heal the sick. Resurrection power can change the life. That resurrection power was there. I can see it now, the crowd is gathering around, the open tomb is there, there's a body laying inside of it, and Jesus in a loud voice says, Lazarus, come forth. The crowd looks at him amused and amazed, thinking maybe he's lost it. There's a rustling sound within the tomb. And to everybody's amazement, suddenly there stands in the, in the entrance of that grave a man wrapped in the mummy-type rags of a burial, stumbles on his way out because Jesus says, come forth. Listen to me well. I want you to hear me. I believe that when we gather together in Jesus' name that he is present here amongst us. I believe that the church of God is full of resurrection power. That's why I have seen life after life change and transform. I have seen people in the fourth day where others have given up and say they stink, they'll never change. And I have seen the voice of God call them forth and they rise up and come out of the tomb of death and defeat and failure and they come out in resurrection power. I, I believe in resurrection power. I believe in, in the power of God to bring hope. When other people say, well, they're dead, it's over, they'll never change. I believe that God's power, when he's there in resurrection power, he calls people to life. He calls people to change. He calls them out of darkness into the life. I have seen drug addicts change, and I have seen depressed people come out. I've seen people that other people thought they will never have hope in their life. I've seen them come to the mouth of the grave and suddenly start living a life that they never knew they could live because there's resurrection resurrection power present I believe it the resurrection power of God because there's power in the gospel that's why I continue on because I see lives change because I've seen too many Lazarus come out of the grave I've seen it over and over. Oh, I know they may smell like death, and I know they may look like they still belong to the, to the other realm, but I've seen them come out and take the rags off and start to live a new life in God, in resurrection power. 
That's why we, we have literally in this church seen thousands of people come out of the grave in resurrection power throughout this city. We've seen it, I believe it, and I know that God wants to do it. When he is present, his gospel changes people's lives forever. I believe it and I know it. I know God wants to show his power in you today. Now, maybe you need to take that first step toward new life. Is that you? You can begin with a simple prayer. Let me try to guide you and and give you space to pray along with me, all right? Let's pray together if this is the cry of your own heart. Dear God, I've messed up. I'm a sinner. But I believe you died on the cross to forgive me of my sins, all of them. More than that, you can help me turn away from them in the future. By faith, I receive your forgiveness. Now, please take control of my life, today and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, we would love to connect with you if you just prayed that prayer. It's easy to send us an email. Write to moodypresents at moody.edu. That's moodypresents.edu at moody.edu. And then be sure to head to our website for resources to help you in growing that new faith of yours in Jesus. Here's the website, moodypresents.org. And here's what's cool. Right in the upper right-hand corner of that homepage, you'll see the words, How to Know Christ. Give that a click, and we'll help you take the next step. moodypresents.org. Well, next week, we'll explore more claims of Christ in our series, Christ Said, I Am. I'm John Gager, thanking you for listening. Moody Presents is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of the Moody Bible Institute in Chicago.